Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you'll be uplifted, empowered and revived by this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website, ramp.church/mcr or find us on social media. Now let's get into this week's message. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, we just want to go deeper in the emphasis that your spirit is having. And we ask that you speak to our hearts, you stir us with faith, you give us clearer vision where we need it, uh, and that you minister to us in a special way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so we're going to be looking at the gathered space and uh, how the early disciples responded to the Great Commission. Uh, one of the things that's clear that they did is they gathered. Everyone say they gathered. gathered. Um, There is a kind of trend with many believers today that want to stay in isolation and want to just do their Christian faith without connection to community. You can't live this out without being connected to community because in community, you find accountability. And uh, I don't know about you. You see, I I do travel uh, quite a bit and minister in different places. And... uh, I meet lots of amazing people. And sometimes I meet, ama- actually, a lot of times I meet amazing leaders. And oftentimes they want to know where I'm, you know, so where are you based? What church are you a part of? And I love saying to them, look, I, I'm not just a minister that just travels preaching everywhere and I don't have a base of accountability. I'm actually based here around church and I serve. I, I don't just come when I'm preaching, by the way. <laughs> I come, I serve, I've been on the video team serving. Anywhere there is need, I want to serve and help. So I'm not here just because of my gift. And I can see the reactions in the leaders. There's a sense of, they're more at ease. Because oftentimes some people, they just have, they have a gift and they just want to let that gift explode everywhere, but they lack accountability. No one can speak into their life. No one can challenge them. No one knows what they're like when they're not on the platform. And in fact, you know, I might get in trouble by saying this. I'm not against bodyguards. (laughs) But when ministry starts to grow, in fact, I think Mike Bickle said this one. He says, uh, one of the worst things that can happen to a ministry is growth. Because the very thing you want to see God do, okay, when that starts to explode, it can drive you away from your primary calling, which is him. And one of the problems that growth can bring is when you're the anointed man, anointed woman of God, everyone is wanting to touch the hem of your garment. And so you get bodyguards. <laughs> now, now, I'm not knocking anyone that's doing it. I'm just trying to say one of the problems with that is that it puts a distance between you and people. And so oftentimes people don't get to see the real you. So people get fascinated and people get excited about your gifting, your anointing. But they don't know what you're like just one-on-one. And, you know, all they see is you on a platform showing up. And I've done this long enough to know the anointing of God on a believer or minister is not a sign of his approval of, his, of their behavior. Because you can be anointed and misbehaving. <laughs> so the gathered space is a space where you are known and you are called to know people. And we're called to have horizontal connection to God, but we're called to have uh, uh, 
Yeah, sorry, I said that wrong. We're called to have vertical connection to God, but we're called to have horizontal connection to one another. And I love people that preach good. I love people that move in these signs and the gifts and all this stuff. But I often like to see them out of the pulpit. And I love to see people out of their gifts because you know you love God by how you love people. And so what happens between me and God in my walk with Him should be reflected in community. So gathering together is a key part of fulfilling the Great Commission, actually. Because when Jesus was about to be lifted up to heaven, you know what He said to the disciples? Get together and wait. So He commissioned a gathering space. And so they were mandated to get together. So when we come together like this to worship, it's actually part of us expressing our faith. And in this space, there are unique things that can happen that will not happen when you're on your own. Okay, I want to remind you that we are called the body of Christ. Have you wondered why we're not called the body of Jesus? Jesus has a physical body. It's supernatural right now. That body is in heaven. It's got nail prints in it. It's a real body that can still walk through walls. But it's a real body. That's the body of Jesus. We are not the body of Jesus. We are the body of Christ. Because Christ speaks of the fullness of the anointing. There are dimensions of the anointing and the presence of God that manifest only when we come together. Because there's no one person that has it all. We're not called to be a body part. We're called to be a part of the body. Are you hearing me today? Oh yeah, you know, I love to prophesy and I'm just going to do my own thing over here. No, no, no. See, one of the problems we have is people get excited and get, they discover God's calling and in their lives and then they run off on a tangent disconnected from the rest of the ministry. And listen, we often get into excesses and errors when aspects of the ministry, even the fivefold ministry, get disconnected from the other manifestations. For example, the prophets run over here and do their own thing. Disconnected from apostles. Dis- disconnected from pastors. Hello, somebody. Disconnected from teachers. Or, you know, the, the evangelists run over here and do their thing. Disconnected from other manifestations of the fivefold ministry. Eventually, we end up having a body that's not really manifest in everything that God wants to do in it. Because the, the fivefold ministry, it balances each other out. Because if you're gifted in a certain area and you walk in that office, without the balance of the pastor, without the balance of the evangelist, you can end up in excesses. So God has built us to need each other. God has built us to be together. So it's good to be in a space like this, not just attend and sit, but connect. Some of you come and you sit down, and once we say service over, you're out. Can I say to you, you've not re- you're not really a part of the church? Can I say the Pastor Joe? Well, I can say it. I'll say it. <laughs> if you just come here and you sit there, you just mind your own business. You say your amen, Lord, thank you. I've ticked my religious box. And you walk out, no relationship, no one knows you, no connectedness. You're not part of the body here. You're just being a bench warmer. And we don't want bench warmers. We want people that would play their part. It doesn't mean that you have to be on the worship team. It doesn't mean that you need to be serving teas and coffee. It just means you connect at a heart level. If your heart is here, then you're going to find relationships to connect with. 
because this becomes your home. Then you become known by people. Then people can speak into your life and challenge you and bring encouragement and bring truth into your life. None of this lone ranger business. You, you won't believe how many people come to church like this and don't know anyone. And they blame the fact that no one came to say hello, say hello to them. Well, did you want to build any friendship? Or are you waiting for everyone to come and say hello to you? Now, I'm not saying we as a church don't have a responsibility to make people feel welcome. We do. However, you as the person that you feel God's calling you, you also have a responsibility to seek to connect. It's a two-way street. It's not just, oh yeah, they're meant to come and say hi to me. And if they don't come, well, I guess I'm not supposed to be. And, and all this kind of me, 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 me-centered Christianity. Listen, God is getting rid of that. It, baby, I've got a, five, a four-month-old baby. All she thinks about is herself. <laughs> she doesn't care that's four in the morning and I just came from midnight prayer at three. She doesn't care. If she's hungry at four, she's going to cry at four. And so I only have to, if I forgive him, if I fall asleep during this preach right now. <laughs> she doesn't care about how I feel. She doesn't care about how much sleep I've had. All she cares about is her needs. Uh-oh. Some Christians, that's all they think about. I feel this way. I feel this way. No one talked to me. No one did. So it's all me, 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 me. That's a sign of your level of spiritual maturity. Because my nine-year-old son, he started to wash dishes. He started to clean the house. He started to help. Because he's nine. He's nine. He is not four months. Some of you have been Christians for nine years, yet you're four months in the spirit. Me, 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 me. Oh, I just wanted to say. And some of that is because you don't want to grow. And you know what? Community helps you grow. Community challenges you. All you're thinking about is yourself. As you grow, you start to be aware of other people's feelings. You start to be aware of, this is a big word, responsibility. Some of you carry no, you carry no spiritual responsibility. Now, now, Pastor Joe told me literally a few days ago, he said, oh, James, would you like to preach? He didn't say, would you, he said, I would like you to preach, preach much. <laughs> and honestly, I didn't have a message or such. I just said, yes, Pastor Joe, at your service. <laughs> so here I am speaking. Now, if Pastor Joe, let's just imagine we had an evening service and Pastor Joe just came up and said, hey, you're at the back. Okay, what's your name? Emma, okay, you're Emma at the back. I wanted to preach tonight and he told you right now he wants you to preach tonight I guarantee you you're not gonna go home and watch premiership what's that thing called the premier league <laughs> you, you, you you're not gonna go home and watch some soap opera you're not gonna go home and watch Netflix you're not gonna go home and watch Disney plus even if there's a movie you're so eager to see the fact that Pastor Joe tells you you're preaching in the evening and you just found that right now means you're gonna go home and say oh God help me Lord, what are you saying? Oh, God, give me a word. Oh, Jesus. Searching through scripture, going, okay. Going through all your notes, okay. You, you're trying to get a word because what, why is it that when Pastor Joe tells you you're about to preach, all of a sudden you start to pray more fervently? You know why? Because what hits you is spiritual responsibility. And because you feel that responsibility, it starts to affect your actions. Can I make an announcement to you? You already have spiritual responsibility without having his microphone. Too many people are big on this microphone. 
You think you're only significant if you hold the microphone? There are more, there are some people at the back that would not hold the microphone, but as far as heaven is concerned, they carry more weight in the room spiritually. Sometimes in prayer meetings, some people think they have to hold the microphone for them to be effective in prayer. There is already a spiritual microphone to your mouth. Are you going to open it or are you going to wait till you hold it? I see some people sometimes in meetings, they're so kind of chilled and they're so cool and, you know, they don't get engaged until they're given the microphone. Come on, everybody. I'm like, I'm sure I saw you sitting there not even worshiping. Well, me, you said I was, I was worshiping my heart. Well, update your face about it because... You were sat there looking bored, disengaged, until you got on the microphone, until you got on the keyboard. All of a sudden, you're not animated. It tells me you're, 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 you're drawn to platform. Don't let the microphone become your God and your idol. God is wanting us to be people that are real. Whether there's a microphone, whether there's no microphone, you're going to be fervently pursuing God. Giftings can be so deceptive so deceptive and you can think because you have a gift and God's using you in business or whatever you could think you're doing good with God because of that no the times you come into a space like this because we're gathered it helps you to have like a check you know when you go to the uh, to the mall and you see that map that says you are here gathering spaces sometimes oftentimes for me anyway help you realize where you are because God uses his body, his gifts, to give you an insight into where you are in your journey with him. Sometimes you can't really see where you are. It's like when you're driving, you can't really see the big picture. Because all you can see is just what's ahead of you. And in a space like this, God uses voices and uses communication gifts, anointed speakers, worship, whatever. He uses that to give you a bigger picture perspective of what is going on. So he challenges you, he encourages you. So listen, you are not built. We are not built to be isolated. Yeah. I remember reading the news. I, I think I called Pastor Joe and Pastor Stacey after this because I was so distraught when I saw this article. And I might get the figures wrong. But during COVID, there was a lady that got sick and she died in her flat. And she was only discovered a few weeks ago. So I think it was like 18 plus months. It's something crazy. And when I read that story, Rebecca will tell you, I, it was like my heart was so broken. I was so sad. How could someone be dead for 18 months plus and nobody, nobody called, nobody checked, nobody. I, I mean, and I, and I called Pastor Joe, I said, Pastor please, let that not be said of Ram Church. That there's someone here that leaves this place goes home and something bad happens, God forbid, and no one knows. No one calls. How sad that is. And you know, that can happen here, God forbid. I don't want that to happen, but it's possible for that to happen. When there is no real relationship. When you choose to stay in isolation, you come, you mind your own business, you don't talk to anyone, you don't stay after the service, you just shoot off, you come in late, you leave early, no one knows you, people don't even know your name, you've been coming here for weeks and weeks, but no one, there is no connection. You have to ask your Lord, are you calling me to this congregation? If God is calling you here, then stay planted and rooted here. Don't just be a Sunday visitor for, for months on end. 
Say, Lord, are you calling me to this community? If you are, Lord, well, I'm going to plant, I'm going to be planted, I'm going to be rooted, I'm going to build relationships, see who are the people I'm going to connect with. Pastor Joe and Pastor Stacey can't know everyone and spend time with everyone every day. You're going to kill them. In fact, I think that's why some leaders fall because there's so much uh, expectation and demands, unrealistic demands placed on them. That's why we build systems to make sure that you are not isolated. I know what I'm saying is for someone here. You are constantly coming to church and you're isolated. That is not the will of God. That is not a manifestation of the kingdom of God. Today, break that cycle. The gathered space is for accountability, connection, so God can speak and he wants to move. You know the amazing thing? God started what we call the church right now through a a gathering meeting. What we call the church started in Acts 2. And it started because the people came together and they were waiting on God and they were praying. So what we call the church right now came out of a corporate prayer meeting. Know that. Jesus started the church how he wanted it. Now he wants the church how he started it. The church was birthed out of a corporate gathering prayer meeting, right? Now, in fact, you read through the New Testament, you don't really see a lot of singing. And nothing against singing and worship. But you don't really, not that it's not important, but I think the foundations of our faith, the key tenets, they emphasize Acts 2.42. It talks about them, uh, the apostles' doctrines. It talks about fellowship. Fellowship. It didn't say singing. Fellowship. Accountability. Relationship building. It talks about communion, breaking of bread. And then you know the fourth thing talk about prayer. Because the prayer birthed the church. And so that was what was going to sustain the church. So the prayer space is not for some crazy people that just love to pray. Actually, it's for all of us. And whenever I, t- you know, there's no way you're going to get me to come up to speak without prayer coming up. You know that, right? <laughs> whenever, you know, I often talk about prayer, people are like, oh, you know, James, you love to pray. Well, sometimes. <laughs> it, it, it's a decision that I've made. Desire without discipline will dissipate. So it's part of my lifestyle, whether I feel like it or not. So some people look at that, oh, you pray a lot. Okay, you know what? Um, I've got so many things going on. I'll send my prayer request to you. No, that's not how it works. Because the moment you see me as one that prays a lot, you're like, oh, I'm just going to send you all my prayer requests. The problem with that is oftentimes people then look at me as one that has the gift of prayer. There's no such thing in Scripture as the gift of prayer. And if you have that mindset, get rid of it right now. There is no such thing as the gift of prayer. Even the gift of intercession is not in Scripture. What you see is a spirit of grace and supplication. You don't see, because once you see I have the gift and you don't, you're going to want to now outsource your prayer life to me. Oh, do my praying for me. And I've seen this happen all the time. It's not that it's wrong to ask for prayer, but you better make sure you've got something going on yourself. In fact, the gathered space becomes more potent in spiritual ranking. When the individuals in the meeting have individual depth in God themselves. You know, there's something, you don't really see this in scripture, but as I've kind of journeyed and walked with God, I realized there's something I would call corporate ranking. Corporate spiritual ranking. In other words, the fact that 
10,000 believers have gathered in Manchester does not mean that they have hit corporate ranking to shift the spiritual atmosphere over the region of Manchester. 20,000 believers gathering does not mean they're going to accumulate authorities by their, by, by, by their, in, are, are you tracking with me? The individuals in the meeting gathering doesn't mean necessarily that they're able to shift what is over the region. And so in the 21st century, we celebrate big gatherings. And don't get me wrong, I, I love big gatherings too. However, we need to look a bit deeper. The church started with 120. That birthed the revival. It wasn't thousands. Thousands came out of that. But it seems like God always has a way of starting with the small, the remnant, the Gideon's army. He always has a way of starting with the small because he wants to do things in a way that's clearly him at work. There are several factors that affect the corporate ranking of a body of people. The quality of lifestyle each believer has in submission to God's authority in that gathering has an impact on what that gathering can achieve in the spirit realm as far as it relates to God's agenda. That's why God releases teaching uh, through uh, uh, pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets to equip the saints, to get rid of all the excesses, all the distractions so that when we come together, our gatherings have great potency in the spirit. I can't tell you how many times we gather the people in the front are having a great time engaging with God, but you can feel that the room is not engaging because everyone is not, and the enemy will fight that. That's why one of the key ingredients for corporate ranking is unity. So on the day of Pentecost, it says they were all together in one accord. So we don't want to just be a church that just gathers. We have a nice Sunday meeting and we have some midweek meetings. We just do what everyone else is doing. There is an assignment on this, comp- there's an assignment on this ministry. And it's beyond just a Sunday gathering. And you need to know that. There is an assignment to connect with God's revival in this region. What God is doing. Sometimes I ask God questions. Like, Lord, when you look across the United Kingdom right now, who are the people in the UK right now? I mean, right now. Who are the people in the UK walking the closest with you? Do you know God has a perspective on that? <laughs> because in Moses' generation, it was Moses, obviously. I think it's possible there's some people on, on, in the UK right now walking the closest with God from his perspective. I don't mean they have a big ministry, by the way. I don't mean they're famous. Those who are walking the closest to his heart, I am convinced they're not the famous ones. And I want to get around these ones because I want to get around people that truly walk in with him. And I found it so difficult oftentimes when we gather together to step into that place of corporate unity of heart. God wants each of us to come in here where, uh, you know, like a chord on the keyboard. You have this, you know, if you play a chord, it's a combination of several notes. But what makes it work is that they're rightly aligned next to one another. And they're each producing a unique frequency. So when you play a C chord, you have a C, you have, e, you have an E, and you have a G. The E note is unique in frequency to the C note. And the C note is unique in frequency to the G note. The G note is not complaining to God, saying, Lord, why didn't you make me sound like C? And the E note is not trying to compete with the G note. What makes them confident is the fact that they are... Um, they're securing their identity 
And that security brings about unity, not uniformity. The calling is not that we all look like each other. The calling is that we come together and we release a, a sound of harmony. So people walking close with God and having deep encounters or, you know, God releasing things to them. Those people, we need them in the body so that they can be like salt and so that they can be like life to the body. As we, as we relate one another, we start to realize the dimensions of God each of us carry. And we start to draw that out so that together as a corporate body, we can be more effective. So in the gathering space in fulfilling the great commission, number one was unity. They were in one accord. I haven't led prayer meetings for many years. I tell you this. It's very hard to get a room in one accord. Because oftentimes people come with so many issues, so many things. And it, it's, not, it's not wrong to come with issues. It's just when there is an assignment, like you're about to go to war for something, you have to put your own issues aside and fix your eyes on whatever the mission is. It says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you. And so I find that sometimes it's such a challenge to get people to disconnect from the cares, the anxieties, the worries, and just connect to what God is emphasizing in that moment. And in my personal experience, I found that as I learned to disconnect from my own cares and my own anxieties and my own worries, and I just connect to the mission, Oftentimes, I come out with a different perspective about the issues I'm dealing with. And in fact, sometimes God gives me answers in the midst of me engaging with the mission. That's not to do with, are you with me? And then the times where I'm praying about the issue, guess what? He doesn't speak. <laughs> oh, he speaks about something completely different. Anyone knows what I'm talking about? It's because we're called to be together as a body. And perhaps the thing you're praying for, the answer is in a relationship. And God will not give you the answer until you break out of that isolation of, oh, it's just me and God. And I'm just going to, and God's like, your answer is hidden in a relationship, but you have been offended with them because they didn't greet you last week at church. <laughs> but you had no idea that they were a key to a breakthrough for something you're believing for. It's amazing how God locks answers to prayers in people. So if you are the, by the way, just so you know, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an introvert. So I know I'm animated right here, but I actually get my energy from being on my own. You can lock me up in a room for a whole week, and I'm going to be excited. Because I get to be, I love my own company. For some of you, that will drive you mad. That's okay. The reason why I'm saying that is, even though I'm an introvert, I know that I love to connect with people, hear people's stories. And you won't believe the times I meet people, and then maybe months down the line, I'm thinking, oh yeah, there was that conversation I had at church with that person what's their number again because I need them in this situation I'm telling you relationships so key it builds unity helps to build unity that's number one number two uh, we've not, we're not looking at scriptures not because I don't want to look at the Bible <laughs> but because there's quite a few things to say and I've got a few minutes left so we're going to look at Acts 4 Acts 4 Acts 4 I've been living in the book of Acts and you know I've just been reading over and over again because I just want the reality they lived in to be my reality <laughs> So Acts 4, it says, um, and being, Acts 4, 23, and being let go, they went to their own companion and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So this is talking about the apostles, right? They were being threatened not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. It says, so, verse 24, so when they heard that, so when it says they, it's referring to the company of believers. 
Uh, this is more than three people. We don't know how many were there. At this point, we know the church is like in the thousands, right? Because thousands got saved on the day of Pentecost. So it could have been thousands or it could have been hundreds. Or it could have been maybe the leadership. I don't know. But the point is, is this. It says, so when they, verse 24. So when they heard that, you know, when they heard the threats, it says, they raised their voice to God with one accord. And then it goes on to tell us the prayer that they prayed. So in here, we get, uh, we get a real glimpse into what corporate gatherings looked like in the early church. Because sometimes, you know, even though I'm an introvert, I can be animated and I can be loud. And I've heard people say, you know, all, why are you so loud? God is not uh, nervous. You know, just, you know, just talk quietly. I'm like, well, you're loud at the football game and that's okay, isn't it? Well, I can be loud. God is not nervous either. You know, God has, see, God has given each of us personalities for a reason. He doesn't want you to just become like some dead person in terms of the personality is giving you, you kind of shut that down and fit into some sort of religious mold. God wants you to express your spirituality through your personality. He's giving you a personality for a reason. He didn't make us all the same for a reason. Elijah is different to Abraham. The way they prayed was even different. Elijah's between, head between his knees praying so intensely. Abraham is like having a bargain with God. Can I have 50? Can I have 40? Can I have 30? Elijah's like, oh Lord! <laughs> see, see, but both were very effective. Because they were expressing their spirituality through the nature God had given them. Are you with me? The early church, they had to put personality aside. In this prayer meeting, they, you see, when you read this, this is what it says. It says that they, everyone say they. they. They were introverts in that meeting. Everyone say they. they. There were people that, that were very self-conscious and feeling like they don't want to hold the microphone in that meeting. Everyone say they. they. Next was a lifted their voices. It's not an introvert thing. It's not a Nigerian thing. It's not a South Korean thing. It's not an American thing. It is a kingdom thing. The corporate gathering was expressed when they came together in their voices being lifted. It didn't say being whispered. Oftentimes we have prayer meetings. I'm like, guys, this is not the meeting you come to and you keep quiet. Because I had my quiet time at home. This is not my quiet time right now. Are <laughs> you hearing me? I'm going to release some sound. Now, there, is, there are terms to be silent. But more than often, you see this expression. In fact, in Hebrews, it's all about Jesus praying with loud crying. So there is something about sound being released. So this corporate gathering gives us another element of a value system the early church had. Fervency. They were not chilled and just soaking in the presence of God. Believing that the work is finished on the cross. So these threats will just go away. Don't you people say that? Oh, you know what? Just chill out. It's done. It's finished on the cross. I said those people. Well, so why did Paul come and say we wrestle? If Jesus says it's finished. So the fact that Jesus says it's finished doesn't mean we just chill out. There is a fervency we have to engage in now in our corporate gatherings, in our worship, and in our prayer. The last point, because my time is running now, is Acts 12. I'm not going to read it because of time. Acts 12, we see the apostles 
uh, actually it was Peter that was kept in prison. And Peter was about to be killed because Herod was scared. Well, actually, Herod saw that killing James made him popular. So now he wanted to kill Peter to please the Jews. And so Peter was kept in prison. You can read this later, Acts 12. And he was about to be killed. But this is what it says. It says, constant prayer was lifted up to God for him by the church. Now, the church, you see, today we do prayer chains. And see, I'm not knocking that. So I think that has its place. This was not a prayer chain. Because when Peter was eventually released, he went to a house, and guess what? There was a gathering. So if it says constant prayer, my question to you, and even to myself, I still baffle at this idea. How many ways can you pray for one thing? Lord, set Peter free. How many ways can you pray that one prayer request? In fact, I've led so many prayer meetings. I'm like, guys, let's pray. Oftentimes, there's a bit of momentum for the first few seconds. And afterwards, everyone just dies off. And there's, it's, it's kind of it's a dead silence. There's no more engagement. Because people lack the momentum internally. And can sustain fervency for a long period of time. So the fact that the church, it says, const- everyone say constant. It wasn't intermittent prayer. It was constant. And that was the type of prayer that was raised up for him by the church. And that, prayer, that type of prayer was manifested in a gathering space. What that points us to is this. In the corporate gathering, they had spiritual stamina. The first value I highlighted was unity in the corporate gathering. Second was fervency. Now here we see spiritual stamina. The ability to stay until. See, that corporate stamina is actually a secondary consequence of private stamina. Because if you don't know how to tell yourself to get up to pray, if you don't know how to tell your own body to shut up when it wants food and it's time to fast, if you don't know how to tell your body to push through when your body feels bored, if you can't do that on your own, guess what? You're not going to do it in a corporate setting like this. You're going to wait for some leader to come and whip up your emotions. Get you stirred up like a cheerleader trying to just whip you up in excitement to pray. See, I don't need you to do that. If I have to come to your prayer meeting, I guarantee you I'll be an addition to that prayer meeting without holding the microphone. Because when I step into that corporate environment, I am going to bring who I am and what I carry and it's going to add to what God is doing because I have personal stamina. Some of you come into the corporate prayer gathering and you don't add, you subtract. You drain the atmosphere. (laughs) Sorry guys. (laughs) Because you're you're coming in again and it's all about you. You've not bothered to put your emotions aside. You've not bothered to put all your feelings out. Okay, Lord, I'm here to seek you. You see, it's not living in self-denial. I'm not saying deny how you feel. See, God is not afraid about your emotions. Oftentimes, I come to God and say, Lord, I'm angry. Lord, I'm disappointed with you. But you know what, Lord? You're always right anyway, so forget about that. (laughs) I just need a perspective shift right now. But I am still going to press in. Even when I don't feel like it. Can I make this announcement? You're a believer, not a feeler. It's not about your feelings. 
I'm not saying ignore them. Be honest to God about them, but don't let them control you and hold you down. Because oftentimes, when you start to engage with your mouth, with a, a theology of God and a theology of prayer, you have that rooted in you, and it, it's not to do with your feelings, and you start to engage in a place of faith. This is my experience. Your feelings eventually catch up. Okay, can I just be real? Sorry, Rebecca, I'm going to give a personal example now. So, we've been praying together a lot. By the way, couples pray together, pray together, pray together. But I noticed a pattern that, this, this is going with, every time we're about to pray together, some silly argument comes up. <laughs> Any couples in the room? <laughs> Sometimes my wife and I are talking and I, and I say to her, Pastor Joe and Stacey, I'm sure they never fight. I cannot imagine them ever, ever having an argument. <laughs> And Joe is Rebecca's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I can't. Rebecca's saying, like, no, I'm sure they have disagreement. I'm like, no, they don't. I cannot imagine that happening. <laughs> Honestly, this is a conversation we do have. <laughs> They're normal. They have disagreements every now and then. I'm just trying to say, we're, we're wanting to pray, right? And some silly thing comes up. It's the silliest thing. And so, because I am an emotional person, I have disconnected from the prayer altogether. I'm like, <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> so we were probably holding hands to pray, and I'll forget it now. So, so, so she doesn't feel like praying. I don't feel like praying. You know what comes to mind? Just pray in tongues. This happened about two, three times. I'm telling you, every time it's happened, I knew it was a demonic attack. It was the enemy just trying to bring disunity. Remember the first word, unity, right? The moment I start to pray in tongues, I'm, I'm not saying in the instant, literally a few minutes, whatever that emotion is, just lifts. And we are back on track and we're connected and praying fervently. Are you tracking with me? But if I gave into the emotion initially and allowed that emotion to stop me from pushing in, I would just stay disconnected and not reap the benefits of that united prayer meeting. Many of you, even though that's an extreme example in marriage, many of you are feeling the way I'm talking about when you come to church, when you come to prayer meetings. And so you disconnect from the gathering because you're idolizing your emotions. You say, Lord, I recognize this is how I'm feeling right now. I put it aside. I acknowledge these emotions are real and they're bothering me. But Lord, that's not why I'm here. I want to seek you. So Lord, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to engage. And I'll let you deal with all this random stuff going on. God wants to manifest himself greater in the gathering spaces. He did it all through the book of Acts. Ram Church, let us be a church that values this space. Whether it's five of us gathering, whether it's a hundred, whether it's 500. Let us be people that value that space and we don't allow disunity to break it. We don't allow apathy to break it. We don't allow lack of inner strength to break it. But we come in saying, Lord, we want to engage with you. Listen, guys, if at the next Ramp Church prayer meeting, we all came in with that heart of, Lord, I want to engage with you. I am telling you, he will come in a unique way. Because hunger attracts his presence. Faith pleases him. Not feelings, faith Lord, I know you're here. I know you want to manifest. I know you want to move. I know we're supposed to be praying. I may not feel like it, but I know this is the right thing to do. So, body, get in alignment.
and we're going to press into God. I'm going to lift my hands even if I don't feel like it. And everything your body is telling you to just sit there and be disconnected. Rebel against your body. Rebel against your emotions. Connect to the corporate gathering. I wrap up with this. In these last days we are in, the Lord is going to begin to do some incredible things in corporate gatherings. I lead a ministry called Prayer Storm, and I know that one of the anointings God's put on us in what we do is gathering people for corporate prayers. That's what we do. And I know that about the ramp as well. The ramp has got a gathering anointing. There are certain ministries that God places a grace to gather, even beyond just their local congregation, gather people. So I know what we're talking about here in terms of fulfilling the Great Commission through the gathering space, it's a key part of how the ramp is going to keep functioning in the days ahead. But as people that see this church as your home church, don't be a bench warmer. Don't be just one of those that sits there disconnected from community, no accountability, no one knows you, you just come mind your own business and you leave. No, we're going to be in fellowship. Acts, Acts 2.42. We're going to listen to the teachings that the Lord brings us. We're going to take communion together and we're going to be fervent together in prayer. I believe that's one of the key ways we're going to see the kingdom advance. The kingdom advance in this nation, in this region. Do you understand with me? Let's pray.